0: Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. My guest today has a lot of passion and sympathy for what many like to call right-brain people. These are the people who need a lot of help in keeping their home or apartment from overwhelming them with clutter. She's one of us, but she also helps the left-brain people. She's Dana K. White, author of Decluttering at the Speed of Life and How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, and also hosts... Of the popular Dana K. White YouTube channel. For everything about Dana, go to a aslobcomesclean.com and you can follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Aslob Comes Clean. And oh yeah, she has a podcast called A Slob Comes Clean. Dana, <laughs> welcome to the show. Have you thought about decluttering your social media? Wow, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Actually, yes, I really, really have. <laughs> I did read your first book, enjoyed it immensely, and I reference the fact that right brain people are generally the creative type, which you are, and have trouble looking at something and deciding whether to keep it or throw it away or donate it or sell it or all that. So how did you start your journey?
1: I started it because I wanted a creative outlet. I was a theater arts teacher before I had kids, and then I had kids, decided I was going to stay home with them, and always thought writing, which was something that had kind of you know, I had done successfully in random time I Was an English major in college, you know, I mean, just had done randomly successfully and thought one day, one day, that's something that I would like to try to, you know, make something out of. And then I found out what blogs were. And this was back in, I think it was 08, when I discovered what they were and thought, oh, well, that makes complete sense. If I want to be a writer, I should do this thing that people who want to be writers are doing, and maybe it would you know, lead me somewhere eventually to figure out how to make you know, a living at writing. And I didn't start because my house was a disaster. I mean, I would look around my house and think, okay, I've been trying. I mean, I had tried everything I had done. I mean, I was just working so hard on getting my house under control and never could figure it out and thought, if I throw myself into this writing project, because I love creative projects. That is going to be one more thing to take my focus away from my home. So it came basically as a, an idea to figure out how to blog while also focusing on my house. I thought it was going to be a practice thing. Like I just thought this will be what I'll do for right now, figure out why my house is a disaster, get it fixed three, four months from now, then I will, you know, have everything perfect in my home and then I'll start writing about the stuff I actually want to write about.
0: And here we are. You, You conflated the two things, but that worked out for everybody because your YouTube channel particularly, which I enjoy watching, but your book as well, well, you have two, but the first one, Decluttering at the Speed of Life, does give a lot of what I would call practical tips for those of us who struggle. There's something you said, which is so true, which is decluttering never ends. And I can tell you, from very much personal experience, that every time I think I'm done, I'm not done. And I've been at this for three, four, or five years now. And mm-hmm. I look around, I, I'm still looking at stuff. I, it just never ends.
1: Well, and part of the problem is thinking it's possible to be done. You know, the people whose homes don't have clutter are the people who are constantly decluttering you know, even if they don't necessarily think of it as decluttering, they just think of it as, well, you have to get rid of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) For me, everything feels like it gets pried out of my fingers. You know, know, a big thing for me was realizing, oh, this is not something that I can work on for a month and then never have to think about again for the rest of my life.
0: It does, for for our listeners, it does get easier, I will say that, because once you reach a certain point, and again, from personal experience, I know where things are, and that makes a, a very, Big difference. And also, yeah. And also, the the hard part, and we could talk about it as well, the hard part is the sentimental stuff. Everything is equal. So, the first thing versus the eighth thing versus the thirtieth thing that you have that is either from your childhood or your kid's childhood, it all is the same import to you. And so, it's a struggle. And you came up, well, you started this whole thing in 2009 and you called it deslabification. Yes. Which I love. And you What I like about your particular approach is it's it's reality-based because it's not based on a system that should work for everybody. It's more to the point of simple stuff. For example, two questions. If I needed this item, where would I look? And if I needed this item, would it ever occur to me that I already have one? And so those two questions alone simplify things. It's not a cure-all in the sense that you still, as you mentioned, you still have stuff but at least you know where most of it is and you are not tripping over it in the middle of the night going to the bathroom.
1: Right. Because, you know, the, the truth is I always thought that my problem was that I needed to get organized. And then I would do this thing called organizing, which was really just trying to keep all of my stuff and find places <laughs> for it. And I would, right, I would, you know, analyze and think, okay, where should this go? And then I would, you know, get organized and not be able to find anything because, I mean, that's, that's a common frustration people have like, Oh, I finally got my house organized and now I don't know where anything is. (laughs) And so it was, was defeating. And every time that happened, I was like, well, obviously I am the worst at this, which made it harder to even try in the future. And in reality, decluttering actually achieved what I had always wanted to achieve through organizing, which is knowing what I had, knowing where it was, it staying under control you know, and, and the way I do that is that question, where would I look for this first? Because then I don't have to analyze it.
0: <laughs> and there's also two concepts that are different, organizing versus decluttering. And the absolutely. reason you're absolutely right about this, because what happens is, here's what usually happens. People decide they're going to get organized. What do they do? They go to organized living and they buy a bunch of tubs and uh, boxes and wire containers and all of that. And then they shuffle things around, they have them in there, but they still have all of it, so nothing really has been accomplished.
1: Right, which, you know, I, my biggest game-changer, brain-changer concept that was kind of an embarrassing surprise to me to realize but has also helped a lot of other people is what I call the container concept, which was that I finally realized that I did not understand what containers were actually meant to do. They are not meant to just put things in they're meant to serve as limits. I had been buying all the containers thinking they were going to solve my problems. But when I tried to use them in my home, they looked nothing like the pictures on the package, you know, that I was thinking I was going to achieve by having all these containers. You know, containers are actually meant to contain. I mean, who knew, right? <laughs> but they're meant to serve as a limit, meaning I can't keep everything. Containers only do what I want them to do when I let them decide how much of something I keep. And I know that's a very simple statement for what is a mind-blowing concept for people like me. But, you know, like you talked about the creative part of things, I don't see limits. I mean, it's a great quality in me. (laughs) But it was causing my house to be a disaster because I just simply had more stuff than my house could actually hold. So when I started viewing containers, as limits and letting them decide how much I could keep by putting my favorite stuff in first. And then once it was full, that decided what else needed to go, you know, because I already had my favorites in there and then everything else needed to go. It's like, it just shifted something. And it freed me from making all these value decisions on, oh, I should keep this because it's a good thing. It works. It could be used in the future, whatever. And instead, I just go with what will my house hold.
0: When you started this, were you supported by the family or were you opposed by the family or was it a wait-and-see attitude by the family?
1: When I started, my kids were three, five, and seven. So, I mean, they were kind of in that phase of life where they just go along with whatever I'm doing, you know. It was... So, I do have to clarify. When I started the blog, "A Love Comes Clean, I didn't tell anyone what I was doing. Like, it was such an act of desperation. It was such a thing where I was assuming I was going to fail again, and this also wouldn't work, that I didn't tell anyone, I didn't even tell my husband what I was doing. And so the the beauty of that that I see now is that I didn't, it, it put all of the pressure on myself. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to start the way I had always started every other like, okay, everything's going to be different starting today. You know, I'd always had those moments that I'm going to change, I'm going to change. And I would like sit the family down and say, hey guys, this is how we're going to start doing things. And they had no background <laughs> in, in these things I said we were going to start doing. We're going to start, you know, cleaning up our room every single day. We're going to start picking up the living room before you go to bed and all that kind of stuff. And they would just look at me with no basis, you know, no understanding of what I was talking about because that was not the home that I had established for them. So when I was only able to focus on myself and what I was doing and not doing and why. It caused me to, you know, only focus on what I could do. And I saw the impact of just doing it myself. And through that, my family then experienced what it was like to live in a house where we kept the kitchen under control. They experienced what it was like to live in a house with less stuff. So therefore it was easier to pick it up. It was easier for it to stay under control, you know, because they experienced that then bringing them in on that was so much easier than all those other times when I had said, guys, we got to quit living like this. We got to do something different and, and tried to get them on board. Because when I would do that, I wasn't just getting stuff done. I was also trying to manage five people. you know, And that's a lot of extra work and time and energy and frustration, where instead I just used that same energy to actually get stuff out of my house. And that made a real big impact. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. I would imagine there would be some conflict in this sense. Even though you decided to focus on yourself, you still wanted to have a clean kitchen, as an example. And there are other members of the family that might leave a frying pan out or some dishes in the sink, that type of thing. Did you clash with those family members or did you just take care of those things that were left out so that you could declutter the kitchen each time?
1: I would say, you now it has been 12 years, so I'm trying to remember. <laughs> but <laughs> I, the way I would treat it was to just say, hey, you know, remind them. Because I, I think that's something that a lot of moms especially can get real frustrated about is this idea that they should just know, you know, and because I was focused on myself and I was the only one who knew that this was so important to me and that I was so desperate to make a change, I would, you know, just remind them, hey, everybody bring your dishes to the sink after dinner or, hey, can you put that away? Or if nobody's there, I would wash it myself because what I had always done in the past that didn't work is I would look at it and think, if I'm going to be a good mom, I would make my kid wash that himself, you know, that skillet. Of course, they were too young to be using skillets at that point. But if I was a good mom, I would, I would, you know, make that happen and teach them to do this. And they might be at school. And I would think, okay, tonight, 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 I am going to remember to teach this lesson and blah, blah, blah. And then that night would come and life would happen and it would never occur to me to have them do that or we would add all the dishes from dinner. And so then it didn't make sense in their brain at all that I was pointing out the one skillet from last night or whatever. And instead, I said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take care of it now. And the more I went ahead and took care of it now, however, that could work in the moment, then I was much more likely to actually notice one thing out of place in a moment where I could teach someone something because... It was staying under control or before when I would wait, like I said, it would add more stuff to it and then it wouldn't, it wouldn't register. It just worked better for me to do what I could, even if that meant or do what I do, what needed to be done, even if that meant doing it myself or bringing someone along to, to do it with me.
0: And how long did it take before family members finally decided? Oh, I see what's going on here, and they start contributing as well. Not maybe a hundred percent, but at least they start to do some of the stuff. Was it there? Was it three months or six months? Or
1: I would say it was probably. I would say probably about three months. I know I told my husband what I was doing about six weeks in, and he said, "Yeah, I really noticed the house is really different." And, and the what the main thing I started to see was a willingness to let go of things that I had not seen them be willing to let go of in the past because they were, they were experiencing the benefits of living with less. And so they were starting to change how they viewed their stuff. They were also seeing me get rid of stuff. It was like something that was constantly going on in the house. And a lot of the stuff I was getting rid of was stuff that I never would have gotten rid of before. And so they were seeing me go through that, experiencing the benefit of it, and then that changed them. I know it was, I feel like it was maybe two and a half, three months in when I came home and my husband, I had gone for the day somewhere and I came home and my husband was cleaning out his closet and he was decluttering it on his own. And he was just like, yeah, I've just been noticing all you've been doing. So it made me want to do my own, you know, and I can never guarantee anyone that that's going to happen. And yet... It's the thing that happens to so many people is that they said, once I finally went ahead and worried about my own stuff and started getting rid of my own stuff, then my family was willing to get on board. But it's really hard when you're going you're to first identify their stuff that needs to go. You know, like it's really easy to see someone else's it's stuff. It's human nature, of
0: course. Yes. Yeah. Human in nature.
1: And and that causes a conflict from the beginning when you say, I want to get started, and the house is actually a mess. I want to get started decluttering. Let's start with your stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> the natural reaction is to push back on that and be like, why should I get rid of my stuff when your stuff is everywhere? Because your stuff is the stuff of safety. And so worrying about your own stuff first is really the key when you, or neutral stuff, you know, when you're dealing with other people in your home. The other thing is to focus on the visibility rule, because, you know, you maybe can declutter in a, you know, far off closet that nobody's ever going to see and they're not going to see the impact of it. It's going to take longer before people start to change their view of your home and of stuff than if you focus in visible areas that they are experiencing the benefit of This work that you're doing, and even if it doesn't necessarily register right away, they are going to be noticing sooner the the impact on your home of decluttering.
0: Makes sense. I would imagine you get a lot of correspondence from people that thank you for what you are doing because they have not been able to figure it out for decades of their own lives, and all of a sudden you're giving them a way to think about it. And you also admit to your own failings, which is a I think the connection you have with your audience.
1: Yeah, I do. I hear from people all the time who say the same thing that I was saying when I first got started on this, what was an anonymous blog in the beginning. And that is, I thought I was the only one. People tell me that all the time. And I say, I thought I was the only one. And there is something about knowing that I'm not just this one broken person in the universe who doesn't understand what everybody else understands. There's something about that that is very freeing to then be able to make progress.
0: And when you decided to do this full time, here here's the interesting part from my point of view is that the subject it's in a sense sounds very simple. Decluttering, how do you do it? And maybe you come up with a couple of concepts. But you're putting out two books, you're putting out all these videos, you're putting out all these podcasts. So clearly it's a little bit more of a sophisticated subject than we mostly think about. It's not just one approach it's not one just one concept it's just not one method or procedure to keep decluttering you're panning a gold mine i guess in that sense <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you, i don't you, know about <laughs> the gold mine necessarily. <laughs>
0: but, well it's, it's a cluttered gold mine let's put it that way and you're you're decluttering it how about that
1: <laughs> yeah well, it does surprise me that i can continue to talk about this stuff because sometimes i think i said all the words that there are to say about this but you know, I think what it comes down to is there are people in the world who can read my five-step decluttering process. You know, I have like a, a printable that has the five steps on there just to remind people what they are. Well, they can read that and be like, oh, yeah, I get it. I can do this. But they are not my audience. <laughs> my audience is made up of the people who have failed so many times that they just don't think This is a constant struggle and who, you know, declutter a space, turn around and, oh, my goodness, what happened again? You know, so there's a lot there's a lot of depth to this issue of, you know, why does it why is this hard for me? Um, What are some angles that I need to, you know, go from, you know, or look at this situation from? Because it's technically, yes, the steps are simple. But there is so much background and there, are, some people are just that feeling of being completely overwhelmed that they have to work through. All of those things have to be dealt with. And I've also realized, you know, it hit me at one point, probably after about the first 150 podcast <laughs> episodes that I thought, you know, when you hear people who have radio shows and they're answering people's questions, they're giving the same answers over and over and over. You know, I mean, that's what they do. And I realized, oh, people need to hear the same thing again and again and again from different angles. You know, I mean, but when it's a constant struggle, you do have to continue to hear
0: this talked about. Well, it's a reinforcement. And then to, to your audience, though, those are the people who, when they print out those steps that you offer on how to declutter, now have a piece of paper they don't know what to do with. Yeah. They're frozen. I mean, there's a paper sitting on their desk and now, Well, there are the steps that I need to declutter, but now what do I do with this piece of paper that has the steps on how to declutter? Where do I put it? If I put it in a container, will I find it again? Because I have all this other stuff around. So it's that audience, I think, that you appeal to because you give hope and you give suggestions and you reinforce it. And you even go down other paths as well. I've seen a few videos of yours where you start on subject A, And you eventually get to it, but you've you've moved on to B, (laughs) C, D, E, F, G, and H. Yeah, rabbit children, are my (laughs) thing. And then you come back to A, which which I think is how most people actually relate. So that's how, I think that's why it's so popular that you do this. When you decided to write the book, a book is different from a YouTube video or a podcast in that this is something that requires much more discipline. And you have to focus on it, you have to devote X amount of time to writing each day, and you have to get it done by a certain day, you have to get it published by a certain day. How hard was that for you, given that you are primarily one brain rather than the other side of the brain?
1: Well, you know, I say one of the things that actually is part of my problem in my home, but is ultimately my superpower, is that I have a project brain. One of the things I had to realize was that the reason I had never been able to actually make real progress in my home is that I was always treating it like a project, meaning I was planning out the steps of what I was going to do. I was trying to set aside the time. I was working through those steps. I was getting it perfect top to bottom and then thinking it was done because I like a project. I like to be done. I like applause at the end, you know, but that didn't actually work, you know, because the reality is your dishes get dirty again the next day. Even if you cleaned your house top to bottom, you're going to have dirty dishes and dirty bathrooms and laundry and all that kind of stuff. And so viewing my house like a project was part of my problem. Well, it's also a superpower in that I like a project and writing a book is very much a project, you know. So for that, I had got to use this part of me that where I feel very competent. And of course, you know, I was wanting to be a writer from the very beginning. So, you know, putting it into, I had my spreadsheet and I had my dividing my word count by this, you know, many days that I wanted to be able to get to this point in it. And then I, you know, took all that kind of stuff, that part is actually really fun to me.
0: So you do have two, you have the right brain and the left brain in that sense. And we talk about creative on one side, but very organized in that sense for projects on the other.
1: Yeah, I think, and, and that's one of the things, too, that you know, if you ask me to organize something big, like with people and a beginning, a middle, and an end, I, that's, my, that's my wheelhouse. I mean, that's where I really have this organizing part of me down. But when I would always say, I can organize people, I just can't organize things. And it's actually very common to have those two, you know, two what seem like they're opposite things in the same person, more more than I realized, which is actually a big thing for me as I started to put this out there and find the people who identified with what I was struggling with, because, you know, it was always like, okay, I feel like I'm really with it and together on certain things. And then my house makes me feel dumb, you know, and then to see these other people who said, yes, I struggle in my house too. And when I would learn about them, I would learn that they were Intelligent, creative people. And I realized, oh, there's actually a relationship there between the creative brain who sees the world differently and can accomplish certain types of things, but then that type of brain makes it hard to deal with the mundane, everyday stuff at the house. You know, seeing that relationship helps me accept that this is just who I am, and I have to figure out ways that work for my brain. And it gave me permission to stop feeling like a failure because traditional organizing advice didn't work for me. Um, Their brains are different
0: than mine. I totally agree. Same here. I just couldn't figure it out if I were to read a logical book on decluttering. It just doesn't work for me. I did come up with one solution for you. Other than what you are suggesting, if there's always going to be dishes and if there's always going to be laundry, there is another way to go, and that is to get a hotel room. (laughs) And just stay in it for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about the dishes. They come and they take it away. You don't have to worry about the laundry. The hotel will do it. That could be another approach. Of course, it's extraordinarily expensive, but it could still work.
1: I have to sell a lot of books <laughs> about
0: doing the dishes to afford
1: <laughs> to stay in a hotel and not have to do this. Fair
0: enough. <laughs> Before I let you go, tell us the most meaningful response you got from a listener, viewer, or reader. Oh, wow. Okay. Um ugh. Yeah, just I, I th- because you, I'm sure you get, as I mentioned earlier, you get a lot of correspondence. I use the word correspondence, but email or letters or whatever that indicate that you've had an impact on people. So there must be one that sticks out in your left and right brain of someone who was transformed in their life by what they learned from you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to be completely honest and tell you I think that one of my very favorites was a letter from a husband of someone who struggles this way, who he was with a, a letter carrier and would listen or listen to how to manage your home without losing your mind on audio as he was delivering mail. And he emailed me and just said, thank you so much for helping me to understand my wife, for helping me to see that this is a legitimate struggle for her. And so then that helps me to know how to help her and where to help her and helps me to, I mean, here I'm just saying, you know, the overall, what I remember, but, you know, it helps me to help her accept herself and know where to start and go. Because, you know, it's similar to my own husband's story. You know, I mean, the nicest thing he ever said to me was a couple of years into doing this deslobification process when he said to me, don't take this wrong, but I finally realized there's something actually wrong with you. (laughs) And I said, that is
0: the the best
1: thing anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) Because, Because his point, and he went on to say, and this is what the same thing that the husband was saying, he's like, I've realized it's not that you don't care. And when he didn't understand that, it would sometimes feel like I didn't care when things got out of control. And to know that I was trying and that my brain just literally works differently and I don't see the mess until it's overwhelming. He said, when I realized that, that helped me understand you more. And it gave gave him compassion and also helped him know where to help me.
0: That's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Dana K. White, author of Decluttering at the Speed of Life and How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, and also host of the popular Dana K. White YouTube channel. For everything about Dana, go to aslobcomesclean.com. I cannot say that three times real fast. Aslobcomesclean.com. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at aslob comes clean and her podcast also called a slob comes clean dana thanks for being on the show thank you this was fun and join us every thursday for a new schmear on ira's everything bagel